Welcome to Top Advisor Marketing, where you will learn how to become a prolific online influencer, attract more ideal clients, and grow your practice. Brought to you by Top Advisor Podcasting, a done-for-you podcasting solution built just for trusted advisors. And now, your co-hosts of Top Advisor Marketing, Kirk Lowe and Matt Halloran. Hello and welcome to another Top Advisor Marketing Podcast. Today, Kirk and I are going to talk about the promise of 10x. I am sure you have seen people advertising, we can 10x your whatever. And uh, we've got some feelings and thoughts about it. And Kirk had an amazing post on LinkedIn that really was the onus of this podcast today. So Kirk, how about we start from there? I'm going to adjust the title because really it's not just 10x. It's the promise of 10x and we fill your pipeline. So it's all the marketing gurus, the lead generation experts that are coming to financial companies and advisors saying we can 10x or fill your pipeline. The backstory here is that a couple of weeks ago, I ran a LinkedIn post that challenged the idea that these people may be over-promising and under-delivering. And over-promising in the fact that 10x is so much, so dependent on the advisor and the firm and so many variables that it's not necessarily fair to promise that. And the second one is fill your pipeline with what? There's usually not a lot of ideas about that. So I find that those two claims typically are what I would call a little bit irresponsible. So having said that, it was it was a controversial post, which tends to do well in media. And indeed, this post did do well. Uh, right now, about a week and a half in, it's tracking at over 6,500 views and over 81 engagements. And that is a pretty successful LinkedIn post in my experience, just because it's, um, it's a hot topic and it's a topic that garners a lot of emotional response. And we've had varied responses in the comments and some, some really, um, there's been some good feedback. There's been some emotional feedback, but it's been all in all, it's been, I think, a good thing for the industry for us to have put out something like that. I don't know how you feel about that. I love the fact that you put it out. I think this is one of those things that is so conditional upon some of the things that we're going to talk about today. And my experience in being a coach and consultant before you and I partnered together was there are people who can execute this. There are people who can fill the pipeline, but there's just so much work involved with it, Kirk, that I just don't know how many people want to work that hard. Over the years my 20 years in financial marketing, I've had to adjust or readjust the mindsets of so many financial advisors. I'd say easily hundreds face-to-face or voice-to-voice, I guess voice-to-voice more likely from, from how I run my business, but that's probably more than the thousands to be honest, but thousands absolutely through, through our education. And the mindset is to get away from the idea that, that you, you're look, searching for the silver marketing bullet And there's so many people, professionals, companies in any industry who are looking for that idea or that ideal that I can find something for my business where I won't have to spend a tremendous amount of time, energy, or money, but the results will be the golden goose for for my business or my practice. To me, it's a crazy pursuit. It's not sustainable. It's consumes way more time and investment than you'd ever give credit, a credit to it. Right. For instance, if, if you spend months and months look searching for that perfect silver bullet, how much time could that have been spent doing something that was going to be meaningful over a longer period of time? 
So there, there's a lot of effort, a lot of emotion put in for advisors put into this idea. And it's not just individual advisors. Sometimes it's big companies. Years ago, I was at a breakout session at a conference listening to an exa- a marketing executive at a pretty successful broker dealer and a broker dealer that I believe was on the fast rise and became have become one of the more prominent broker dealers. She was talking in this breakout session about being allowed to pursue digital marketing and build a team around that they could replicate for their advisors. So they'd come across this silver marketing bullet, basically, which was that they'd seen some success piggybacking on a campaign that a public broadcasting station would use to fundraise. If somebody gave a gift over a certain amount of money, in addition to getting that, giving that gift, they would get a financial advisor to be able to come in and do a financial plan or an assessment. And they value that at 250 to a couple thousand dollars. And that would be part of their, their give back from the public broadcasting. And they had seen some success with this. The problem was there weren't enough opportunities to get the thousands of financial advisors that were in their broker dealership enough. So they're trying to figure out, how could we replicate this in a digital marketing sense? And I can tell you that that company had spent uh, over a couple of years, million plus dollars trying to figure out how to turn, take the silver bullhorn marketing concept and turn it into a replicatable model. And most advisors obviously are doing the same thing on their own scale. Now, obviously it's not millions of dollars, but definitely it's years, right? Years of trying to find, perfect, pursue, uh, find that right partner or, or the right software or the right concept. Some of it's time-based, so the window of opportunity is gone. But the idea of pursuing the silver marketing bullet, to me, is kind of crazy for most businesses because it is just that. It's not easy to find. Imagine a financial advisor in their practice thinking, and this happens, but most advisors would suggest this is not a good way to pursue it. But imagine you're just every month or every quarter or every year trying to pick that perfect stock for your client that's just going to boom. Why not just have a balanced portfolio that can grow slowly over time? And over 10, 20 years, you're way more likely to achieve where you want to get. But it's slow, steady growth. The idea of compound growth, I'll get into that a little bit. But the idea um, here is how do, you, how do you judge, I guess, or validate the idea or the promise of 10X or fill your pipeline? So we've got some points on that. I guess the question is, is how can an advisor validate if 10X or fill your pipeline is, is realistic from the vendor that's promoting that? And sometimes I think there's a lot of validity or credibility in who's doing that. When Dan Sullivan does that, Dan Sullivan has been running strategic coach, helping advisors for 30 plus years. Maybe it's 40, I don't know. He's had a track record of being able to get people to these 5X, 10X. I'm not saying everybody though. There's no way that everybody he works with, but I'm sure there's a percentage. I don't know what it is and I won't bother to guess, but you have to figure out for yourself if the vendor or the relationship or the people that you're seeing are promoting the silver marketing bullet can actually validate it. And whether it's indeed a silver marketing bullet or something that is going to work for you for years, you want to consider that too. So I've got a bunch of questions here or opportunities to validate. The first one is, what to look for of what to look for is testimonials. 
Do you believe that a testimonial that a 10X or fill your pipeline marketer is promoting are credible or a good or a good indicator of whether or not the 10X promise is valid or true? I would suggest that testimonials need to be taken with a grain of salt because it's very difficult to validate them. One way you could validate them is by getting a reference. However, in our business, you know, you and I, we don't typically like to give references. We don't get asked for them that often, but I don't like doing it because it's, it's a lot of work on our client's part to be available. And it also takes that, the prospective client time and effort to go track them down and get time scheduled because everybody's pretty busy. So I think it's an unfair ask sometimes, but if it's a big investment and you want to know, sometimes there, there are no other ways. The third thing to look for would be credentials and education. In marketing, I would suggest that there's not a lot of uh, validity in, in having credentials or, or marketing education. You definitely, I would look for how many years they've been doing it. I think that's important, but I don't think uh, credentials and education are necessarily there. There's plenty of people who come from marketer, good marketers who may have come from engineering degrees, good at putting stuff together, create systems as an example. We're really, um, really into data and things like that. And there's other people who come from writing backgrounds who are just so good at crafting messages and they figured out their own way. So there's a lot of, you know, credentials in education. I don't think really apply much to validating whether somebody's promise of 10X or fill your pipeline is, is accurate. Case studies is one that I don't see a lot, but I think it's a more appropriate way to gauge something. So if a marketer or a vendor can dialogue or can detail a case study, I think that adds a lot more validity depending on the nature of, of how they do that case study. If it's very sales or marketing savvy, in other words, they don't get into a lot of the why or how or the situation or, or attribute some of the success to things that maybe weren't just about them as a company and what they did for them, but maybe how good the advisors or how good a practice they had or how perfect of a niche they had or how timely it was, things like that. So I think a case study, use your own judgment, but I think the detail on that could be, have a lot of validity or not, depending on, on how you read those. But I don't see case studies very often. I don't see case studies enough, Kirk, and I, and I, I love case studies. Uh, I know advisors are able to use case studies to kind of prove their points. You and I were just talking about having us do some case studies on our existing clients today just so that we have a little bit more of a, an explanation. It can be a really great way for your prospective client to identify well that they're just like the person that you've helped before, which would reduce the, I think, the need for the references, which I fully support. You know, asking one of our existing clients who's wicked busy to take time out to help us sell somebody else is it, I just don't think that's always the best ask. Yeah, uh, totally agree. It, it's not easy doing a case study either. I mean, it seems like it ought to be, but getting the kind of information that would help you create a valid case study isn't always the easiest thing. Well, and right. yeah, I want to jump in there too on that because I absolutely agree. You can have 30 listens to a podcast and get a million dollars in new assets, or you can get 300 listens and, and nothing happens, right? It's not an A plus B equals C equation. But it is a lot about the organic marketing that the advisor is doing. And it's just like you talked about at the beginning of the podcast. It's about the amount of work that the advisor is willing to put in to make their marketing successful. Absolutely. So another, another thing to look for is examples of work or samples of work. 
and to look deeply at samples of work, I think is a good idea. Conceptually, a marketer could sell you on, on a concept that seems to make perfect sense, but if the execution that they bring to the table isn't great, let me give you an example. There's advisors who, if a, an intermediate marketer came to and said, I'm going to help you, the intermediate marketer or vendor, in my experience, may not understand the context of, of how each advisor differs in their practices and their worlds, what they're good at, what they're not good at, what their audience would respond to or not. And you may get lucky with one advisor really being dialed into their audience and their niche and the timeliness of it. And they can sometimes an advisor can have on their own can have a huge impact on the outcomes of a vendor. And that can be more about that than it is about the system, if that makes sense. As an advisor, you have to understand where your practice is at and who's going to be able to take you, who's going to work best for you and where you're at in, in your continuum of your business. Are you uh, an immature practice, a mature practice? Are you somebody that has some really standout um, attributes or do you, you know, fairly similar to other people? Like what do you have that's going to help you grow and is the marketing suitable? So I guess suitability is another thing I would look for. Who are you working with? Are they on the same wavelength as you? And are they going to help you where you're at versus helping somebody where they were at and it doesn't apply to you? Another big thing to look for is fill your pipeline with whom? I wrote a white paper years ago called Death by Referrals. In it, I illustrate a number of ways that I've seen advisors kill their practice from this idea of referrals. And it's really no different than fill your pipeline. I've seen advisors who've gotten, you know, if you think about uh, client segmentation, and I know that you you love the, the idea of this in an advisor's office, and you can comment in a sec, but the idea that you have, you know, the 80-20 rule is an example that 80% of your revenue comes from your top 20 clients. So just imagine if your, your bottom 80 your clients or 80% of your clients who, who account for only 20% of revenue, if they're the ones who are most frequently referring you, that can be a huge drain or strain on your business. Because if you're meeting with or engaging in or chasing, have your staff chasing and you stay uh, chasing uh, unqualified prospects, that's, it can be extremely difficult for your business. Anytime that, that you and I in our business are pursuing people who aren't ideal prospects for us, it's very difficult. It can be very difficult and very time consuming. And it can also be draining on you mentally or emotionally because the chance that you're going to turn a, a non-ideal client into a, or a prospect into a client is, is remote. So you're putting a lot of pressure on yourself and your, your, your closing ratio, if you will, or your success ratio is going to dwindle. And that can't, that's not good when you're in business, right? You always want to be putting yourself in a position to succeed in a marketing sales perspective. So I know client segmentation can be a huge part of fill your pipeline. Who are, who are you filling with? Are you filling with ideal and how do you find ideal people? Right. How do you even define what your ideal people are? I, I remember doing an advanced client segmentation for one of my old coaching clients. And she was like, this is my ideal client. This is this is the best client I have. And then we did a time survey with her team and realized that her highest net worth client is her least profitable client. So you have to look at it from not just a, 
socioeconomic status or an assets under management status, but you really need to look at it from a profitability. And then also, do you actually even like the people, Kirk? Right? I mean, that's the fun part about the whole thing is I don't care if you've got $100 million with me, if you're a jerk, I don't want to go to work. So I would rather have, uh, you know, better client segmentation, which by the way, we are going to have uh, some education on the, the advanced client segmentation and something we have coming out relatively soon. But we highly recommend that you go through many layers of client segmentation to make sure that you're attracting the right people. The idea that you could be meeting with, talking to, pursuing, whatever, uh, nurturing a non-ideal opportunity in your business, and then having success to the point where that non-ideal person shows up in your meeting, or whether it's out for a coffee or lunch or dinner or shows up to an event, whatever it is, and realizing or recognizing at the pinnacle of the prospecting process that this person has $100,000 and somehow they got through, or maybe they meet your minimum assets under management, but they they don't have any income. They inherited some money and so they're not going to be able to grow it faster, or they're just not somebody that you feel like you can help. They have a do-it-yourself mentality. They're holding a bunch of assets on the side with somebody else. There's not a person who's really good at outsourcing or trusting. There's all kinds of other variables that go into whether or not this person is going to steal your energy or add to your energy. And if they're a steal your energy kind of prospect from a coaching world that that you lived in for, for a decade in this industry, that can really impact an advisor's mindset and business, right? It can more than you could ever imagine having advice or having clients who you just hate seeing because they don't take your advice and they don't value your expertise. It's brutal, man. And, and when we're talking about expertise marketing, as we do on this podcast so frequently, if if you don't have the confidence that your expertise is being valued, then you're not going to be a great expertise marketer. You need to surround yourself with those people who look at you as that expert. There's no doubt that the most fun that I've had in my 20-year career in financial marketing is right now. A lot of that is tributal to the fact that we have found a way to, to act like, like experts and market ourselves the way, and we've been, I've been doing it for years, but we've really scaled that. What that's done is that when we talk to people who've been either introduced to us or who've uh, self-qualified through our you know, listening to our podcasts, reading our papers, uh, you know, blog posts, whatever. More and more and more of it, to be honest, is I've been listening to your podcast. I love it. I want to talk about how we can help us. Most people that come to us now, they already know who we are. They already know what we do. They already understand our strategy. They feel comfortable with us as professionals and humans. I'm guessing there's also the opposite side of that. There's people who maybe came and said, these guys sound a little quirky. They're kind of, you know, a little too laid back for me maybe, or I need numbers, numbers, numbers. These guys are more about building relationships. So it really, it, it works both ways and we don't have to filter. Most of what we're filtering through is good advisors and good financial companies with good businesses who, who believe in the approach that we take. So there's all kinds of synergies before we even engage in, in engage much. And that's a wonderful place to be. And that's all by being able to validate whether this marketing relationship, this marketing system, all those things are going to align with how I want to grow my business. So the next thing to look for is, is your investment. You know, when somebody says 10X, well, what is, for starters, 
trying to figure out what 10x means. So is 10x in your business? So if you have a $200,000 revenue practice right now, does that mean we're going to get you to 2 million or more? Or is it 10x in your ROI? If I spend $10,000, we want to make sure you're earning at least $100,000 every time you spent that 10 has been spent. I don't know if it's important to confirm that or not. They're both, uh, they're both wonderful outcomes, but it may be worth asking that. What you want to do is you want to know how, what am I have to invest to get there? How much time? And don't underestimate time. Like I said earlier, one of the things I think advisors don't do a very good job at is when they're pursuing silver marketing bullets in their businesses, I, I wonder how many advisors actually account for the time they spent pursuing that as part of the a part of the investment in that particular marketing system or marketing concept. So the next one is expertise. How much expertise do you have to have on your team or for you personally to execute and win at that game? You're talking to a coach who says, I want to help you 10x, but the coach says, well, you need to be great at 10 things. Jennifer Goldman, actually a friend of ours, did a post the other day about how many how many coaches, or no, it was Aaron Botsford actually? Was it Aaron? It might have been both of them. But just talking about how many coaches say you need to get better at this, but they can't actually help you do that. So you need to have the talent. Sometimes that happens in marketing too, right? So I know a lot of digital marketing is based around expert content. But if an advisor can't follow through with expert content, then they can't leverage that. So what, whatever expertise you need to have or talent that you need needs to be considered as part of the investment. And if you don't have that, then where are you going to find that? And you have to pay for it, all those things. The next one is money. How much money are you going to be putting into this? That's a pretty obvious one. And the next one is resources. Does your team need to be involved? Do you need to have other pieces of software running? And what are those going to cost? What's the commitment to learning those? So there's, there's all kinds of questions that you need to ask and understand to validate or understand, better understand what your investment's going to be. Let's wrap today's podcast up with talking about some things that our advisors should do. In our experience, uh, what should they stay away from? What are some warning signs? I mean, you've hinted on those, but would you mind kind of walking them through and say, if you see somebody who is really marketing hard and they're, they're aggressively talking to you about different things, what should they do? If, if you can, try to stay away from trendy or disposable marketing ideas. To me, that those are two words or adjectives that describe silver marketing bullet. And silver marketing is typically something that's not necessarily going to last or stand the test of time. So you're going to have to reinvent yourself or your system. And that can be very costly. I, I have a little drawing that I use where the difference between roller coaster marketing, which you think of as just like a stock market, like or somebody who's stock picking and, and doing high risk investments versus somebody who's growing slowly. And over time, you're more likely to be able to guarantee that you're going to be in a much better place. Whereas with the silver marketing stuff, you never really know. You're going to have some winners. You're going to have some duds. And you never know where you're going to end up in 10, 15 years, which is kind of the point, right? It's not how much money can I make right now. It's how, how can I grow my business into a replicable machine? If you can take that mindset, that's a huge thing. So stay away from anything that, that feels trendy or disposable, and that's not going to last or, or, or not replicatable over the long term. Those would be really, really important uh, things to look for. I, I used an analogy earlier in the, in the podcast where I talked about 
how a financial advisor, most financial advisors who are really good at what they do are not going to promote the idea of having a client chase the perfect stock that's going to, you know, add a ton of value. The idea of that is ingrained in everybody's worlds, everybody's lives, everybody's investment portfolios. For, for I mean, everybody wants that, but the sensible people are the ones, the sensible advisors are the ones that can figure out how to do that slow and steady curve. And probably the most important concept of all is how to achieve compound growth. And that's what good marketing will do. Good marketing will achieve compound growth. What I mean by that is I like to call that, you know, we talk about that here as being momentum marketing. How do we build something in, in, in the first year that is still as valuable in the second year when I'm building on that and it keeps growing and growing and growing? Think of it like a staircase, right? How do I just keep adding my marketing, building my marketing so it's keep getting better and better all the time? That's how you should think about marketing. An advisor who can build a portfolio like that's going to typically win too. So think about your marketing the same way. I think that's a great mindset to have and to try to use all these different things to look for to validate whether 10x or failure pipeline are true by using all these variables. Thanks, dude. I appreciate the fact that we walked through this today. And, and again, just to reiterate what you just said there. You don't want your clients looking for that silver bullet stock. You don't want them to be looking at short-term performance. You want them looking at performance over time, no matter what you sell, financial planning, if you sell annuities, guaranteed income. You want them looking at the long-term. Marketing is no different. You are trying to grow a business here. You're not just trying to have quick wins. When you switch your mindset and start focusing on growing a real business over time, everything changes. You gain that momentum you start marketing to the people that you want to replicate instead of just trying to find that next quick way to make, you know, $100,000. So, Kirk, thanks for your time and your brain today, brother. I always appreciate it. Yeah, it was a bit of a solo show today, so my apologies for just ranting. But I guess maybe it was one of those rant-worthy topics. So thanks for sticking around. And you're welcome. If you're looking for my post on uh, LinkedIn, you're welcome to go contribute and comment on it. You know, my LinkedIn profile, Kirk Lowe. You'll see it in my feed there. And we'll also make sure that we put a link to it in the show notes. If you have not subscribed, of course, make sure that you do. If you know anybody who really has uh, fallen prey to the 10x sort of promises, make sure that you share this podcast with them. And finally, if you have any ideas or podcast topics you'd like for Kirk and I to discuss, all you have to do is email me at matt at topadvisorm.com. So for everybody at Top Advisor Marketing, this is Matt Halloran. And guess what? We'll see you on the other side of the mic very soon. Are you ready to change the way you communicate with your clients? Are you tired of being the best kept secret in your area? Learn how to become a prolific online influencer, attract more ideal clients, and grow your business. Contact us today and see what the power of podcasting can do for your business. Click on the Contact Us link on our website at topadvisormarketing.com and set up a call to learn more. Follow us on LinkedIn and Facebook for more updates and information. This was brought to you by iris.xyz, a platform helping financial professionals become better in business and life through new media and new voices. Visit them and learn more at iris.xyz.